Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. Today is part three, and the final part for now of the story of Damien Skinner. At just 18 years of age, he was sentenced to over 30 years to life for a gangland shooting. It's a shooting that many believe was carried out by his own brother. Now, we have some very astute listeners of this show, and recently a few people have messaged me to ask if... Damien is actually, in fact, in prison. Or could he be lying to me? Now, why would they think this? Well, because of a certain noise that they've been hearing in the background of our conversations. Yes, that is a dog barking. It's funny, I hear a dog barking in the background, which is very confusing to hear when I'm talking to someone who's inside incarcerated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And the thing is, yeah... They have, they have this dog program here. As much as there is plenty to complain about when it comes to the prison system, one fantastic program that has been introduced in some facilities across the United States is prison animal programs. This all began back in 1975 when at Lima State Hospital, a resident adopted an injured bird. The staff noticed a big change in this patient's behaviour and this would lead them to start their own animal therapy program. In 1981, the first ever official dog training program started at the Washington Correction Centre. These programs have a whole range of different uses. Inmates can train service dogs for certain jobs, such as in Michigan, where the organisation Paws with a Cause, a non-profit providing dogs for people with disabilities, sends these dogs into the prison facilities where they will be paired up with one or two prisoners who will then begin their training and will learn between 50 and 60 basic commands before they are then moved on to be trained in their more specific tasks. In the building I'm in is where the dogs at. They have a dog program here. Yeah. And there's only one dog, and they like training service dogs. But this one dog that you hear barking, they just got him. He can't seem to stop barking. That's the only dog that barks. They got, <laughs> they got six of them. He's the only one that barks. <laughs> he's not he, He's not going to make many friends if he doesn't stop barking. Yeah, I know. He ain't going to make the program because <laughs> they, they, they train them to, for, for kids and stuff so they can become service dogs. Yeah. Most of them detect diabetes, like if your blood sugar is low or 
for diabetes, diabetics. As well as service dogs, other facilities simply just help rehabilitate shelter dogs that are struggling to find homes. The prisoners will take care of them while they await their forever home. These programs don't just help animals, but the inmates as well. And as of today, there are more than 290 dog training programs in the United States prison system, where men and women with good records of behaviour are able to apply to join and have a dog. These dogs will in fact live in the cell with the prisoners during their training until they're ready to go off to their new lives on the outside. Yeah, I speak to another couple of uh, guys who are in, um, in, in certain facilities that have the same programs and a couple of guys who actually have the dogs. I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. Do you enjoy having the dogs around? Uh, they don't bother me. Yeah. I know a lot of guys here don't like it, but it don't bother me. I love dogs. I love animals. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. So what about Damien's brother? I know a lot of people must be wondering what was happening while Damien was on trial for a murder in which he was supposedly the trigger man. Well, Damien's brother would be himself gunned down and murdered before Damien ever made it to trial. However, Damien does say that he believes his brother in fact went with his priest to a detective to essentially confess to this shooting. And obviously at no point he stepped in to, I guess, save you from this by saying, hey, it wasn't him, it was me. There'd never been any resentment from your side of things for that, if you think that he could have done it? For a long time, a long time I did, but to see, and that's the thing, I, I told you about Detective Pias. My understanding, my brother and his minister was to told Detective Pias. He's supposed to know. My understanding, my brother was to confess to a priest a deacon of a church, and he went and told the detective and gave the detective the piece of clothing article that they were supposed to say they seen a person in the car with. So was it your brother that went to the, the priest and confessed? That's my understanding. When I got the paperwork from my attorney, my appeals attorney, that's what it said, is a declaration from the deacon of the church. He supposed to talk to the detective and told the detective all this. They presented it to my lawyer. She filed to the courts to try to get him to look at the evidence, newly discovered evidence, which they denied, and we had nothing else was said about it. You know, the courts didn't want to hear it. So, so the deacon's gone to Detective Pius and said there's, there's new evidence to, to show that, you know, that Damien hasn't committed this crime, and Detective Pius is supposed to have been given all this information... Um, but we don't know where Detective Pius is, is or what happened to this new evidence. Yeah, we don't know because can't nobody find Detective Pius.
Compton Station. How may I help you? Yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Jack Lawrence. I'm a, I'm a journalist. Um, I'm trying to track down some information on a former detective. Who I decided to see if I myself could track down this detective, Paez. Unfortunately, the Compton Police Department was disbanded in September of 2000 and became the Compton Sheriff's Department. So I was drawing blanks here. The story I'm working on is with a gentleman who's currently incarcerated. It's from a long, long time ago. Um, but I don't know how to work out whether or not Detective Pires actually was an officer at the Compton Police Department or not. This the 90s, right? Yeah. It was I did time. also attempt to contact the City Council, but again, had no joy. So the hunt for Detective Pires continues. Life inside prison for Damien has not been easy. Most prisons across the United States are highly segregated by race and, of course, gangs. The Bloods and Crips are two gangs well and truly entrenched in the prison system. So when you're the brother of a well-known gang member, it can create some very unwanted attention. You know, going in there as, what were you, 18 when you first went in? I was 18 years old, yes. I mean, that must have been a, a, a terrifying experience in itself as an 18-year-old, going to, going to prison when you'd really not experienced that ever yes, before. Yes, it was. I never experienced anything. And when I came in back in 1996-97, prison was way worse than it is now. More violent. It was like my eye right now is messed up due to the violence that occurred here. My left eye, I'm partially blind out of it. I got sprayed with 12 cans, out of cans of pepper spray because a guy tried to attack me. And uh, I defended myself and they sprayed me. I'm partially blind on my left eye. You had situations where you were constantly trying to protect yourself? Oh, yes. Most definitely. Especially way back then because there's a lot of racial violence and... I've seen a lot of murders in here. With you, obviously, you know, you, you've told, you told me about, you know, being in school and that and because of what your brother got up to that it made your life very difficult and people were always jumping on you. What, what happened when you went to prison? Because I know, you know, prisons are heavily gang-operated. Uh, Did you ever have any trouble oh, yeah. because, of, because of your brother's affiliation in gang, in, in prison? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I got, I got a lot of trouble being in prison gang affiliation and everything. When I first got to prison, a lot of guys in here from our, you know, from Southern California gang knew my brother. They knew who I was. Yeah, I ran into, I ran into a guy who said my brother's supposed to kill his brother. I ran into, into a guy I got into it with who had a hole in his face, said my brother shot him in the face. And I ran into a guy who said my brother shot at him multiple times. Yeah, I ran into a few people that I didn't got into it with in here. Wow. Over my brother. So did you ever feel the need to join up with your brother's gang in prison to sort of as a bit of protection or? Yeah, because uh, they protected me. They protected me because of who who my brother was. You know, because in here, it, the race the racial thing is is very high. No four is a lot of racial tension. Miles blacks and Hispanics and blacks and the whites. No, it's just yeah. So yeah, they protected me my first part in my prison since I first came to prison. So did you ever uh, spend up yeah, a, any time in in solitary confinement because of because of all this? Oh yeah, I, I 
I, I did a lot of time in, you know, solitary confinement. Being involved in, um, like, multiple, multiple riots, racial riots. So I spent a lot of time in there. My first incident in prison, I remember this Hispanic attacked me while I was, um, I was in the kitchen. I was eating my food, my breakfast, and it was breakfast time. And I was walking out to go back to my to go back to my cell, my dorm, and this Hispanic guy tried to attack me. I was grabbing my lunch from the from the guard officer, and yeah, they tried to attack me. Do you do you still have to be constantly on guard, even even now with you know obviously being the age you are and your experience within there, you still have to be on guard all the time? Yes, you always have to be on guard, always because. Like I say, there's a lot of racial tension in prison for the Hispanics, so it's, you're always on guard. I mean, you know, obviously you, you said to me you weren't, you weren't a guy that was sort of, um, you know, you never got in trouble with the police and you, you were sort of a, a school guy, a sports guy, a baseball guy, and now you're in this world where, you know, you, you basically have to fight to survive. It must have been terrifying. It was. One, I was angry being in this setting for somebody to do no, with a with a life sentence, and then everything around me was just violence. It just I've seen so many, so much violence in here. It just I always tell my family I think prison doesn't rehabilitate people. You know, all it do is create monsters. Because being here now, they got groups to try to help people rehabilitate. But when I came to prison in 1997. There wasn't no such thing as a group. There wasn't no such thing as education. They just, you own a yard and everything just was all violent. So coming to prison at 18 years old, trying not to be victimized, I had to do what I had to do just to try to survive. I've seen multiple people get killed in prison. See, me, I wanted to better myself because I got tired of being in the hole. I got tired of getting all my stuff taken from me. I got tired of just the, that life, just always in trouble in the hole. Now I wanted better for myself. Also, I wanted out, out of prison. And what of Damien's release? Well... Damien has, in fact, at his last parole hearing, been granted his parole. So are you eligible for parole at any stage or was this a non-parole situation? Yeah, I'm eligible for parole. Do you know what year? I just went. I just, I got, I went up to parole for three times because I just went up to parole. One of the lawyers from the Innocent Project represented me and board and they, they found me suitable. They said I'm suitable for parole, but it's not official. They got to wait 150 days, see if the governor gonna let me out or whatever. But so, but so you could actually, you could be looking at getting out, hopefully on parole soon. Yes, around around November, if everything go right, God willing, around November, I, I should be getting out. So when it comes to that situation with parole, do, do you have to? You know, obviously you you've always you know said that you didn't do this crime. Uh, I've heard from other people that they say when they go to when you go for parole, you have to turn around and and you know say you you you're sorry for what you did and you've turned your life around and that sort of stuff. Do you have to do that in your situation? 
Yes, and they they want you to talk about the crime, but I never talked about the crime. I told them every boy here and I had, I didn't do this crime. I said I'm innocent of this crime, so I'm not finna come in here and confess to a crime I didn't commit. I said no, I didn't do this crime, so I'm not finna talk about it. Last time I went to this board here and they denied me for not talking about the crime. This time they gave me grant because they like, you know, we have to take take into consideration that it's a possibility that she didn't do it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not finna confess to something I didn't do. Like I didn't commit this crime. When Damien is eventually released, the world will be a very different place to the one that he left behind all those years ago. There will be new challenges, new technology, and a very busy and chaotic world around him. But he won't be taking it on alone, as Damien has an extremely strong and focused lady waiting for him upon his release. His wife Renee, who he met while incarcerated. So we um, we actually met through kind of a friend of a friend, and that person said, oh, I know somebody that would be interested in talking to you kind of thing. So this girl, her husband was in there with um, Damien. He has since got out. The, the woman introduced us. Where he's at right now, what kind of made me agree to this, because I don't normally talk to people in his situation. But he would call me randomly, and he was living right next to where I'm from, which is um, Northern California. And since he's in that area, and I was always going down there to see my friends and um, my family. My grandma had lived there at the time, my best friend. He had told me he hadn't had a visitor in years, like I think he said since like 2010 or something. And I said, that's crazy. I can't believe you haven't had a visitor that long. I was like, well, I'll be your visitor. So Damien and Renee were all set for their first face-to-face meeting and Damien's first actual visit from someone in many years. And then... Like for the rest of the world, those plans went on hold. Fast-breaking developments in the coronavirus emergency in the U.S. and around the world. I think our first visit was like April of 2021. So we had talked, got engaged over the phone. Oh, wow. Because, like, you know, it ended up being, because everything got shut down, he always says that COVID is what made us actually be together because I, you know, I was put on work at home. I'm a big traveler. I couldn't travel anymore. Like, I was pretty much stuck at home. I was able to take all of his phone calls. And so we were constantly talking and writing, and there was nothing for either of us to do but keep in touch with each other. So, yeah, we ended up getting extraordinarily close. He's getting out soon, you know, all all going well, and you're going to be finally living together. Are you excited? Are you a little bit apprehensive about Because obviously, you know, the, you've never lived with this man before. You've only spoken to him over the phone, obviously visited and stuff like that. And now you're going to be going straight to living together and, and your lives will obviously start properly. Yes. Is there a sense of the nervousness about it, I suppose? Um, not as much for me. I'm more nervous for him. So, I, I mean, I've lived with, I've, I've been married. I've, I've had very long relationships. And, and he and I have had I don't know, I think somewhere around eight family visits where you get the whole, you know, two days together. And so, I mean, we've spent those times together and we've talked a lot. So, like, my biggest fear is more of 
how he's going to adjust just into my life. Yeah. I'm very outgoing and I'm, I'm a people person and he's way more reserved and doesn't like to be around a whole, whole lot of people. And I'm kind of the extrovert that, you know, I like to go to concerts and I like to go to big parties. Um, I know he's way more of not being interested in huge crowds and stuff, which I get. Yeah. And then little things like, so when we were in one of our family visits, he couldn't get the blinds open. He forgot how to work blinds, you know, oh, how wow. to yeah. how to um, pull them to the left and they yeah. pull up. To be Just fair, I get stuck with those like all the that. time as well. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so it's just, um, you know, and, and he knows that I'm a very, um, I've always had a very like alpha personality. And we've talked a lot about this, like my control issues, um, because I'm always surrounded by kids. So I have to be in control. And, yeah. and so he knows, so we know the things that are going to be struggles. We've talked about them a lot. We, we're very in tune with what's going to be hard for us. So all that remains for Damien is to wait on a final word from the governor of California. If the governor has no objection, then Damien will be a free man very soon. But there will be two things that won't be happening upon his release. He won't be staying in Compton, and he will certainly not stop fighting to clear his name. When you do get get out, do you think you'll go back to Compton? No, sir. I would never visit Compton in my life. I don't even want to be in California no more. But, you know, I'm going to have to be on parole and uh, I'm going to have to stay in California until I get off parole, but I don't want to be out here no more. Where do you think you'd like to go? Anywhere but California. <laughs> you know, I, I got married a year ago. My wife, she didn't buy something in Arizona. So hopefully when I get off parole, uh, anywhere but California. Like I tell my family, California then took 27 years of my life for a crime I didn't do. I don't want to live the rest of my life here. Once you're um, once you're out on parole, will you continue to try and fight to clear your name, or do you think you'll just disappear if off into the sunset and forget oh, yeah. about it? No, no, I'm gonna always fight to clear my name. I told my wife I'm gonna continue to fight to clear my name, and that conviction will hinder me from doing a lot of stuff that I would possibly want to do in my life. Yeah. So I will always continue to fight fight for my my innocence. How do you think that that will happen? Like, is there a, you know, how, how do you, how would you clear your name? Would there be evidence think, that you could find or? I think, I think the only way I can clear my name is through the guy, George Smith. If he came forth. Because at first he told the Innocent Project he didn't want to come forth because it was going to hurt him at board. He didn't want to incriminate himself because it was going to hurt him at board. Now, since he's out, I wonder will he be willing to come forth. They help me clear my name. Would you be happy with me trying to track him down and seeing if he'd be open to talking? Yeah, that'd be good. George Smith was released from prison a couple of years ago, given parole for his part in this crime. Damien wasn't sure where Mr Smith had ended up or if he would be willing to help. So I did some digging and came across a name of someone that might be able to send me in the right direction to reach Mr Smith. And one morning I woke up to a number. Okay, so I've just received from somebody a phone number. I don't know if this is George's phone number because the person hasn't said whether or not it is. It's just they just responded with this phone number. So I'm going to assume that it could be George's number. We are going to try and call it. 
Hello? Hello? Hi, I'm just, I'm looking for George Smith. Okay. I'm sorry, the person you are trying to reach has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Please try your call again later. Goodbye. I have since messaged and tried to call back this number a couple of times, but unfortunately I have received no response. I know, we're not having much luck with these, are we? Hopefully, upon his release, Damien will have better luck at getting Mr Smith to sit down with him to discuss their joint past and see if he'll be willing to help him clear his name. You have one minute remaining. I know I know. this is your last call. Can we catch up again next week, if that's all right? Yes, we can. Okay, I really, uh, really appreciate it. No, no, I really appreciate you sharing your story with me, and so I'd love to catch up again next week. All right, we will do. Have all a right. good day, Jeff. Appreciate your time, Damien. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, and I appreciate you. We will, of course, keep you up to date with Damien's story and his release, and we'll catch up with him very soon. As of 2020, in the United States, 157,000 people are incarcerated for the crime of murder. Damien Skinner, of course, is one of those people. And so is Zachariah Peterson. Hello, this is a call from... Zach. An offender at the Jefferson City Correctional Centre. Zach was convicted of felony murder. It's a legal doctrine which has put numerous people behind bars across the United States for murders they didn't commit. Then after trial, my attorney deposes some of the jury members and the foreman asking them, why did you guys find this man guilty? They're like, none of us believed he was the shooter. We didn't want to find him guilty. But we're looking at the jury instructions and we were confused. Next time on One Minute Remaining. One Minute Remaining is a Mashed Pumpkin production created, hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Audio and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans of Earsay. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.